Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us, if our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, during these weeks of the Easter season, we concentrate on the Acts of the Apostles, that wonderful text written by St. Luke. Concerning the earliest days of the Church, in this book, many of the great figures of the church are prominently featured. Peter and James and John and Philip. But undoubtedly, the star of the Acts of the Apostles, the featured player, is St. Paul. We hear about his missionary journeys. We hear a little bit of his preaching. Paul, many have said, after Jesus himself, is the most influential character in the formation of Christianity. Therefore, what I want to do today and also the next two weeks is to look at St. Paul. You know, often it strikes me when we hear, usually in our second reading at Mass, one of the epistles of Paul. These little snippets, and they don't make an awful lot of sense all the time outside of context. Often people wonder, well, what's he talking about? What's Paul's point? So what I want to do is spend these next three weeks a little time looking at Paul the person and then looking at Paul the theologian. So first of all, who was he? Well, of course, Paul's name originally was not Paul, but Saul, or in his pronunciation, probably Shaul. He was a Jew, born in Tarsus. Tarsus is a town not far from the southern coast of present-day Turkey. Shaul, Saul, was a Jew of the diaspora. He was also a citizen of Rome. And he was a very careful student of Greek philosophy and Greek literature. We know that from his letters, which are in some ways masterpieces of rhetoric. This tricultural identity He's a Jew, he's a Roman, and he's Greek, will become extremely important in Paul's career as a Christian evangelist. It allows him to cross all kinds of cultural barriers and boundaries. When he was a young man, he was sent to Jerusalem for his studies. Shaul probably was born about the year 5 AD, making him a younger contemporary of Jesus. When he was a young man, he was obviously brilliant, he was sent to Jerusalem to study with Gamaliel, one of the leading rabbis of the time. Now, this would be somewhat similar to a gifted young uh, Catholic cleric being sent off to Rome for his advanced studies. Shaul Shaul was being sent to the center of Judaism, the center of Jewish life, and there he studied with one of the leading rabbis of the time. What would he have taken in? He would have taken in this great scriptural tradition of his people. 
the law, the prophets, the traditions of the Jewish nation. Shaul became a very zealous defender of Judaism. In fact, that word zeal comes up a lot in Paul's own writings when he reflects on his youth, that he was full of zealousness for Judaism and for the Jewish tradition. In fact, in the letter to the Galatians, written, of course, after his conversion to Christianity, Paul described himself as an upright, law-abiding Jew, a proud descendant of Hebrews, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul never stopped being a Jew, never stopped being deeply proud of his Jewish background. That's what he took in when he studied with Gamaliel. Now, if he's in Jerusalem around the year 30 and the years just following, what would particularly have bothered a zealous Jew? This nascent Christian movement. For someone who reverenced the traditions, reverenced the law and the prophets, this new movement within Judaism that had the gall to claim that a crucified criminal was the long-awaited Messiah, this just would have bothered someone like Saul. The long-awaited Messiah, that's someone who would gather the tribes of Israel. That'd be someone like Moses, the lawgiver, like David, the great king. Someone who would govern the nations. That a crucified criminal put to death under the Roman governor is the long-awaited Messiah? Nothing could be more ludicrous, ridiculous, and so, full of zeal, young Saul sets out to persecute the church. First thing we hear about him in the Bible, in the Acts of the Apostles, is that he was presiding over the stoning of St. Stephen. This is not someone who fooled around. This is not someone who pussyfooted around. Saul was presiding over this brutal execution of the first Christian martyr. And he was righteously there, confident that he was right. We then hear that breathing murderous threats, Saul made his way around Jerusalem, dragging people from their homes, bringing Christians in chains to prison. This was a serious enemy of the church and doing it with full religious sanction. We then hear Probably around the year 35 is a good guess. Saul made his way to Damascus with some kind of sanction from the authorities. We're not sure what that was, but certainly with some sanction from the authorities in Jerusalem. Saul makes his way to this city, some distance from Jerusalem, where he had heard a small Christian community had formed. Now, if you're a zealous persecutor, one thing you're going to want to do is nip those movements in the bud. Saul went there to stamp out this Christian group. And on the way to Damascus, something happened. It's described three separate times in the Acts of the Apostles, and Paul makes reference to it frequently in his own writings. This was obviously an event of major significance. 
What happened to it? To him? Well, one way we could summarize it, he saw a light and he heard a voice. And the voice said, Shaul, Shaul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir, that I might know? Who are you? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Just about the last thing that Saul of Tarsus ever expected was that Jesus, this one he thought was a crucified criminal, put to death off the scene, the last thing he would expect was that this Jesus would appear to him. He was blinded, and I find his blindness so eloquent, because Saul knew just where he was going, didn't he? Confident, full of zeal, full of light, he knew where he was going. But then in the wake of this experience, he's blinded. So he's led by his companions into Damascus. He arrives there and his blindness persists for three days. Can you imagine now what was going through his mind during this time? His whole world turned upside down. The one thing he was most against now is revealed as of the will of God. The Jesus he was persecuting personally addressed him. Everything was changed. Then we know the story from the Acts of the Apostles. Ananias, a Christian disciple, is summoned by the Lord. And he goes and he visits with Saul, though he was reluctant. Why should I visit this great persecutor of the church? Something like scales fall from Saul's eyes. Again, beautiful symbolic detail. As though now his blindness is going to be cured and he'll see clearly. He's baptized by Ananias. He becomes a Christian. And what does Saul do immediately? The book of Acts says he goes to Arabia. Speculation is Saul right away began to evangelize, to preach this new word that he had one time been persecuting, now he's preaching. Remember that great line in Paul's writings where he says, Woe to me if I do not evangelize. My whole life is now to proclaim Jesus risen from the dead. And so he begins his evangelistic career. Somewhere around the year 37 or 38, so maybe two, three years after that experience, Paul spent time with the great apostles in Jerusalem, Peter, James, and John. His purpose there was to verify the truth of his message. And they did. They said, yes. You are preaching the same gospel we are. That was a very important moment. Very important moment when Paul is confirmed by those who knew Jesus in his, in his earthly life that yes, he's preaching the same gospel. We know actually very little about the next, oh, roughly 10 years of Paul's life. There's kind of a hiatus in the accounts. But then we know from the Acts, beginning in the late 40s of the first century, Paul begins this extraordinary missionary career, moving outward through Asia Minor, present-day Turkey, where he was from, but then crossing over to the European mainland, places like Philippi and Thessalonica, Corinth. He went to Athens itself, 
and there preached the gospel on the Areopagus, this great public place where all the great ideas of the day were debated. Paul was arrested many times. Paul was beaten many times. He was shipwrecked. In fact, his life ends in Rome because he had been arrested and he appealed as a Roman citizen for the right to bring his case before the emperor. Paul ends his life in Rome during the persecutions of Nero, sometime in the late 50s of the first century, probably around the same time that Peter was martyred. What was Paul's modus operandi? What did he do when he came into one of these towns to evangelize? Pretty good guess is that he first went to the synagogues. Remember, he's proclaiming the Messiah of the Jews. The long-awaited Messiah is this Jesus, the Jew. And so he's confident that Jews would be the first people to understand his message. So he would go there. And Christians, it's only because some of those people listened that the Christian movement got off the ground. How silly for us to be in any way anti-Semitic, by the way. We're all descendants of these Jews who listened to Paul and believed him. Besides the synagogue, he also preached on the streets. Some say very quietly. Perhaps when he was plying his trade as a tent maker, he would talk to people, customers who would come to him and proclaim Jesus. How do we know about Paul? Well, from the Acts of the Apostles, yes, but also from his letters written to these little churches, Thessalonica and Philippi, Corinth and to Rome. We know about Paul because in addressing these churches, he addresses all of us. Down through the centuries, this message of Paul has come, and you're listening to me today, all of us Gentiles, because of his great witness. Tune in next week and the following week for more about St. Paul. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.